0: Hey guys, welcome to the latest episode of the 4040 Vision Podcast, the ultimate sports history pod where hindsight is 4040. Before we get into today's episode, let's pay some bills and hear from our presenting sponsors. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 4040 Vision Podcast. I am your host, Colette Abdallah, and I'm joined by a special guest, Yogi Aaron. How's everything going today?
1: Excellent. Thank you. And here in Costa Rica right now, what couldn't be better? (laughs) Right?
0: Pura Vida, right? That's what they say. Pura Vida,
1: yes. (laughs) Yeah, good.
0: All right. Uh, So Yogi Aaron is a trailblazing yoga teacher who's leading a global rebellion against the harmful practice of stretching. This really caught my eye, by the way. I was very curious about that. Um, He pioneered the groundbreaking approach to yoga that shows people how to live pain-free by activating muscles through applied yoga anatomy and muscle activation. In a world where conventional stretching and flexibility practices are the prescribed norm for pain, Yogi Aaron's unorthodox method provides a safer and more effective permanent solution. What sets him apart is his wisdom, infectious humor, adventurous spirit, and personal healing journey, which distinguish him as a beloved leader in the yoga community and at his Blue Osa Yoga retreat in Costa Rica. So that's, quite a pitch, quite an introduction. You know, the first thing I think of when I think of yoga is stretching, flexibility, all that stuff. So before we get into that, I do want to know a little bit more about you. When did you start practicing yoga? Why did you start practicing yoga and, you know, all that good stuff?
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you. I, so my yoga journey really began, I guess, when I was around 18 years old and I was a very athletic, you know, youngster. Um, I went to an all boys boarding school, so we did a lot of dog sledding, snowshoeing, canoeing. When I talk say snowshoeing, we would do snowshoe races for 50 miles, 75 kilometers. So we weren't messing around.
0: Yeah, that's serious.
1: <laughs> so... I think like with a lot of people that get into sports and I'm going to use this phrase overuse their body um, and probably get injured and then just even overuse it more. I was in the same boat. I developed shin splints to uh, tendinitis in my heels, um, hit lower back problems, hit pro- whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then I got into yoga because I was really tight and my muscles were tightened up and I didn't understand why muscles were tightening up. I never been told other than you should stretch them. And so when I get it, when I got into yoga, then it was really, as you just said, when you think about yoga, you think about stretching. I thought, well, this is a really good practice in a disciplined way to begin uh, stretching. So the kind of um, one part of that story is that I just kept going As I got older, I started to realize that there was a lot of other benefits to yoga. One of them Mm -hmm. was that I could really start to harness the power of concentration. And in a very unique way. Now, I was very much into sports. And I think if you talk to a lot of athletes, you hear that they get into this zone, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. and, And there's actual science around that. You know, your brain starts to get into a certain wavelength. And that wavelength, by the way, is what we practice in yoga. We practice getting, I think it's the alpha wavelength. Like you get into Mm. this alpha zone. And and by the way, I'm not a neurologist, so don't quote me on anything as being fact,
0: (laughs) please.
1: (laughs) But you get into that alpha uh, brain wave. But the problem is, as an athlete, Athletes can only access it when, generally speaking, when they're doing sports. What yoga teaches us to do is be able to access it on command at any moment, that we can go into that zone, if you want to call it that. And that's what I started to notice with my yoga was that I was able to start concentrating and bringing What I was cultivating in my practice into the rest of my life, where before Hmm. I would suffer from ADD, I just noticed I was able to harness the power of my concentration. So that kind of inspired me. And then just one thing kind of snowballed after another, I met a, a really powerful teacher who introduced me to another powerful teacher. And then that led to over 10 trips to India and, uh, meeting other spiritual masters. And, and then the, sh- that kind of in a roundabout way led me to Costa Rica and opening up a yoga retreat. So okay. here I am. <laughs> so it, it
0: seems like it was more about the, obviously you have the physical benefits, but it's more about the mental benefits of the concentration yeah. and that, you know, reaching that higher plane, uh, that zone, the Zen zone, whatever you want to, want to call it. Um, uh, so Yeah. The stretching part. (laughs) (laughs) I know your shirt, stop stretching. So what's wrong with stretching? What's, what's the big deal here?
1: So just to kind of back up on that story, I, there's just one little point I wanted to make. And that was this kind of like what we see a lot in the yoga world today is this kind of like power yoga. And definitely in my twenties and even in my early thirties, I was sorry,
0: I said, yeah, very true. Yeah. That power yoga. So uh,
1: there was a lot of like focus on this in the yoga world. And I don't think a lot of people really understand the origin story of that. And so getting into kind of like a faster, more, if you want to use this word athletic uh, practice of yoga is very appropriate, I think for young boys, especially, or younger people, Um, because a lot of our energy is, you know, we have all of these kind of like hormones coursing through our body, you know, and then added to everything else, you know? And so this kind of practice of yoga was, was actually invented for young men, like young, when I say young, I mean, teenage boys really. Yeah. And Mm. so it's very interesting for me to kind of like step back and notice my own progression. And you see this happen a lot with a lot of people, When I started doing the stretching yoga part of it, one of the things that happened to me almost immediately was I hurt my back, like really hurt my back. I was like, and I was 18 at the time. I mean, can you imagine like having a bad back at 18 and not being able to move? And so I never really kind of put two and two together. I actually was told by all the yoga teachers that I needed to stretch more. I needed to open my back. I needed to open my hamstrings. I needed to open my hips. I kind of find that terminology interesting. You hear that a lot, yeah. Yeah, and it's bub-kiss. um So I did all of that. And 25 years later, and after 25 years of of an intense chronic pain journey, because I constantly was having problems all over my body, um, searing, like when I say problems, I'm talking like eight, nine out of 10 pain levels. I'm not talking like, you know, just this nagging pain. That's like a two out of 10, or maybe even a three I'm talking like, I would wake up in the middle of the night sometimes with this feeling of someone driving a dagger into my shoulder blade. And nobody could ever explain in the yoga world, what was going on, even in the movement sort of world. Uh, 25 years later, I ended up in the emergency room of a hospital with an orthopedic surgeon saying to me that I probably would need a spinal fusion in my lower back. I was like wow. 44, 45 at the time. So you can imagine like how my brain literally exploded at that moment. So that kind of led me into understanding and, and researching what was actually going on when we stretch. It took me into this muscle activation journey. Where I started studying muscle activation. And what I started to learn was that one of the reasons why muscles are tight, it's one of the reasons, the reason why muscles tighten up, is because the body doesn't feel safe. The body senses instability. And so wow. for people to kind of like understand what that means, you know, like if someone is listening to this and they're in sports and You know, um, somebody like football, somebody comes and knocks you. What do you do? You kind of tighten up.
0: Yeah, you tense up. You you go into
1: a freezing kind of mode. And so like if you're out on the street for your average listener, like you go and step on ice, what do you do? You tighten up, you freeze up. So this idea of the body tightening up is a protective mechanism. And I can't overstate this enough. Because um, I think this goes over a lot of people's, like washes over people that this statement. But when you t- when you're trying to stretch a tight muscle, you're actually violating your body's own protective mechanisms. Mm. And so, why is the body tightening up? Well, it's 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 tightening up because there's other muscles that aren't working properly at a neuromuscular level. Meaning, like there's this always this communication going on between the brain or the central nervous system and the muscles. And so when the muscle senses like it needs to like shorten, the muscle needs to shorten, it sends a message to the central nervous system. And then the central nervous system sends a message back. And this is all happening in the form of gamma motor neurons. It's kind of like communication pathway. Well, if that communication pathway is compromised, the result is going to always be tightening of muscles. So, what you want to do is then pr- work on improving that communication system. And that's where muscle activation gets comes in. Muscle activation starts to improve this communication system between the brain and the muscles. That's fascinating. I mean, yeah. And, and conv- also just yeah. one other quick thing, sorry, that when you do stretch a muscle, this is the part I forgot to answer in your question. Sure. When you do stretch a muscle, you start to do what you're elongating the muscle, but what a muscle is supposed to do is it's actually supposed to shorten. And so then you're like, well, Aaron, what about like muscles that are tight? Well, again, they're tightening up in response to the other muscles not working properly. So if you think about the quads and the hamstrings, hamstrings are tight because the quads aren't working properly. Now, That doesn't mean that you should go out and do a bunch of squats. That doesn't definitely doesn't mean that you should go and do a bunch of, uh, leg lifts. What it means is that you need to improve that, that brain to muscle connection so that those muscles start working properly. That means that they can, can contract and contract on demand. So if you get your quads working properly, guess what happens to your hamstrings? They hamstring tightness. Yeah. It literally disappears.
0: Yeah. It's, it's crazy how everything is connected, right? I mean, I've had situations where I've had a lower lower back pain and it's because mm-hmm. my butt or my hamstrings were sore or, or tightened up. And yeah, everything is just all interconnected. And yeah. so what's the alternative to stretching? Then you said muscle activation. Uh, muscle what, activation,
1: yeah. just starting to get those muscles working. And, and I mean, you know, so let's like use your back, your lower back. So Back pain is usually the result of back tightness, okay? Mm -hmm. And what is pain? So what is pain? Pain is the result of inflammation. You've got inflammation going on there because the joints of the body are not stabilized. The joints of your lower back are not stabilized properly. So the result is stress, and the result of stress is inflammation, and inflammation leads to pain. So then the question is, well, let's get those muscles working. So you've got your back muscles, but you've probably got some tightness in your back. I'm just assuming. Yeah, and definitely. <laughs> so, so what are the opposite muscles to your back? It's your your trunk flexors, your core muscles. Chances are that your core muscles are not working. So just doing like simple exercises. So for you, like I would just, if I was working with you, I would suggest... That you do two exercises. One is a pose that you know everybody knows pretty much. Oftentimes we call it Superman pose. So you lying on your stomach, and your hands yeah. are down by mm-hmm. your hips. Don't bring them forward. That's that's not the correct way to exercise or, or engage the lower back muscles. So you lift your legs and you lift your uh, shoulders. I'm sorry, you lift your chest and your legs as high as you can. And as you do that, even if you could only lift like a quarter of an inch, if you bring your hands and rest them on your lower back, you're going to feel all your lower back muscles isometrically shorten. And it's when they shorten that that starts to stimulate what's called the intrafusal muscle fibers, which then sends that message to the central nervous system. Hey, we're here. We need to contract. And that's what starts to repair and strengthen that neuromuscular connection. The other one that I would suggest for you, if you have back pain, and by the way, I I don't really deal with back pain anymore per se, but once in a while, obviously I do get it. And usually it's when I've been sitting too much or in a car or on a plane (laughs) or I'm pushing, you know, like sometimes I just push my body hiking because I love to hike. But whatever the case, when my back starts to experience pain, pain is like the check engine light of the car coming on. And it's saying to you like there's something wrong. And I have enough knowledge now to know that if my lower back is hurting, it's probably because my hip flexors, the front of my body muscles are not working properly. So one of my little Hmm. hacks, the other hack I do is I'll immediately come onto my back. Um, and then I'll bring my knees over my chest and my hands to my knees, and then I'll push the knees into my hands. And if you, if you're listening to this or you try this, um, later, you can actually start to feel all your core muscles shorten and engage that starts to reboot them. And then that will start to uh, turn
0: them on. Okay. So you've mentioned that pose, you've mentioned the, or that exercise, the Superman ones as things that you should do what's one, I know there's one in particular that you seem to to (laughs) advise against, you know, is it, is it a common one? Is it like warrior pose or the child's pose? Which is it? Which one is it that we should not be doing? (laughs) Well,
1: That's a very leading question. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, You know, there's a few poses that I would avoid in the yoga world. Um, Pigeon is one of the ones at the top of the list, but the one that's at the very top of the list is as you mentioned, child's pose, um, balasana. In child's pose, you know, one of the things that we need to do if we're going to work with our bodies is we want to improve um, our muscle function. Anytime we start to pull a muscle longer than what it's normally used to in a passive way, that we're going to start causing stress and that stress is literally going to shut that muscle down. What do I mean by that? Well, you can imagine that one moment the muscle is working; it can contract, it can deal with force output. Um, but in one, in the next minute, it literally has no strength. It literally, there's nothing there. It's as if somebody hmm. literally, and I and I don't mean this figuratively. I mean this literally. Turn the muscle, turn the light switch off in that muscle, and it no longer has that ability to contract and contract on demand. And just to, you know, for your listeners to go, oh, well, this is kind of like pseudoscience. He doesn't really know. We can test muscles. We can test force output of muscles and know exactly what is making them stronger and what is making them weaker. So, if you drop into child's pose, you think about what is the opposite of child's pose if if I asked you to lay on your back and bring in, in your arms out to the side, so you're not using your hands at all mm-hmm. and you using your abdominal muscles and maybe some hip flexors to bring your knees to your chest, just try that after the show and notice the difference in, in how far your knees are from your, your chest. Most people can't get closer than six inches I'm kind of looking at you and I'm thinking, hmm, you probably have some tightness going on, some protection. So yeah. I would say probably 10 inches, you know, that's 10 hmm. inches from your chest. By the way, there wasn't a judgmental state, but it was no, more no, of an observation.
0: <laughs> tightness,
1: tight, we all deal with tightness in different ways and it's our own bodies protecting ourselves. If you come into child's pose, you could probably get your chest either on your knees or pretty darn close.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And,
1: but then you think about like, well, your body doesn't go that way naturally. Your, your muscles aren't working that way. So now you've compromised all of your lower back muscles. So all these muscles that should be stabilizing your lower back, not working your glute muscles, which you were saying earlier are very tight. They're definitely not working. Your glute muscles shut down, you're going to have more back problems. Your glute muscles are very intertwined with what's going on in your lower back. Then you also have all of your trunk flexors, all of the muscles in the front of your body not working. So you have four major groups of muscles that you've now compromised. Because of child's pose, so that's why I say it's like the worst pose you can do because mm-hmm. there's all of these muscle systems that just get compromised and literally uh, shut down,
0: yeah. so it seems just from my limited understanding here is what you're advocating for is not forcing your body into unnatural quote unquote unnatural positions just for the sake of stretching, yeah, because it it's counterintuitive, right? Yeah. So- yeah.
1: And I, I would also just add one other thing that when I set up the child's pose thing, I was saying, come onto your back mm-hmm. and kind of pull your knees into your chest. So one of the things that we forget, people forget when they go on this bandwagon of how important stretching is. One of the things that the most important thing that they've forgotten is that muscles do two things. They move bones I think we can agree with that, right? We can agree. Yep. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> or think so. And then we then they also stabilize joints. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, how do they do that? They do that by shortening, by contracting. The muscles need to contract in order to move bones and stabilize joints. And so if we're going to improve muscle function, then improve a muscle's ability to contract properly. So coming back to that example, you're lying on your back. Well, what's moving the knees to the chest? All of your trunk flexors, your hip flexors. Yeah. So just do that. Bring your knees into your chest, kind of squeeze the knees in with your muscles, not your hands, with your muscles. You're squeezing the knees in, hold it there for six seconds and then let the legs come back out. You can let the feet come back flat to the floor, just you know, lie flat on your back. And then do that again six times. That is going to help you improve your muscle function. And guess what? That's also going to have a reciprocal effect on your lower back because as these front muscles of your body are shortening properly, there's a reciprocal effect in the back body because, you know, as one muscle shortens, an opposite muscle has to lengthen and or relax so mm-hmm. now all of a sudden you've killed two birds with one stone. You've improved the the muscles in your core to work properly, but you've now gotten the back muscles to start relaxing.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I think about it. I've, I feel like I have done that at some point that, you know, a similar exercise maybe is more of a core exercise than sure. you don't think of it as a stretch, right? You yeah. think of it as this is a, an ab workout, kind of not quite a leg leg lift, but something similar. So yeah, I, and I definitely have felt it, obviously in my core, but also in my back. You do feel yeah. the, the the loosening up, and you do feel the the not the strain there, but you feel it in the those muscles. And I'm you know pointing to my back as we say that, but uh, I, I do feel like you know when you describe it the way you're describing it, I think the the stop stretching obviously grabs people's attention. But I have heard you know people talk about doing dynamic warm ups versus sure. you know stationary stretching, whatever the, the term is. So I do feel like people are, you know, coming around to your your way of thinking. And do you feel like, you know, that's coming becoming more of the norm in the sports world of not thinking of it as stretching it, but as like a dynamic warm up and muscle activation?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. So one of the, there's a lot to unpack there. Where I want to start, my answer is this. When I started working out, I was about maybe 13 or 14 at the time. And, in then many years after that, I had many, I'm going to call them experts. They weren't really experts, but I'm going sure. to call them experts in, in the field. Tell me, Aaron, when you go to work out, always do the first set slowly and take your time and feel the muscles, you know, working. So if you're doing like a, an arm curl, for example, you know, I normally would, I don't use a lot of weight. I probably would use 20, 25 pounds normally, but I might start with 10 pounds or even sometimes five. And I will just do it really slow and take my time. And at the top, when my my hand comes up as high as it can, and I'll hold it there for a few mm. seconds and I'll squeeze my huge biceps. For your listeners, I've got really big, no, I don't. <laughs> I have really tiny biceps. I wasn't jet blessed genetically, but I will do that to start waking up these muscles. And so I'm making a point about this because what you see a lot of people doing is these kind of fast twitch muscle, fast t- muscle fiber twitch uh, movements that are really not doing anything that they're supposed to be doing. When we think about a yoga warmup, you have two kinds of muscle fibers, fast twitch and slow twitch. What we want to do is start waking up. We do want to wake up fast twitch to a certain degree, but what we really want to do is wake up the slow twitch, start mm. activating and strengthening those muscles. So if you're doing these warmups correctly, um, you know, and what you called uh, dynamic movements, which is so important, then you're, you do it slowly to get, Activate those slow twitch muscle fibers to get them strong. The fast twitch is so that you can have these fast bursts of energy, but it's the slow twitch that actually start to stabilize joints and have that Mm. ability to contract properly. Um, Kind of just using that example. By the way, again, I'm going to come back to that example of lying on your back and and kind of like squeezing the knees into the chest for like six seconds and then just relaxing. And doing that again for six seconds, as opposed to what a lot of people are doing. And and it's important to understand that because if you're doing it just really fast, like if you just bring your knees in and let them out, bring your knees in, let them out as fast as you can. You're not really actually working the slow twitch muscle fibers, but bringing them in slowly holding it is going to increase the efficacy And also more importantly, start to improve that, that neuromuscular connection in in what you're doing. But yeah, there are a lot more people um, advocating for these kind of more dynamic movements where we're still, we're still, they still need to catch up. They're still advocating for stretching afterwards. And which is Mm. just crazy to me because If you've got your muscles working, if you spent like an hour in the gym, for example, working out or exercising, theoretically, all your muscles now are activated. Why would you want to deactivate them and make yourself weaker by stretching afterwards? And so people often say, "Well, well, I just want to make my muscles longer. Why? Your muscles are supposed to shorten to work. They're not supposed to lengthen. And if you've got tight muscles, then what you should be doing is saying to yourself, self, what am I doing to create instability in my body that's causing this muscle tightness? That's where the conversation needs okay. to start going.
0: Yeah. So so what do you recommend for recovery? Because like you said, the conventional wisdom is you do a strenuous workout, whether it's lifting, you sure. know, hit stuff, whatever, and then you stretch and then you go yeah. home, have a protein shake, whatever. So what do you recommend as an alternative to that for recovery?
1: (laughs) I go home, have the shake and recover.
0: (laughs) Okay. So nothing.
1: (laughs) So my, in my gym, I mean, honestly, the best thing to do is just have a coffee, relax, you know, have a smoothie, um, have a tea. A lot of this kind of idea of stretching after you work out comes from this notion of, the importance of having a cool down. We have to have a cool Mm. down Uh, to be honest with you. I don't know that there's any science behind, like having to have a cool down. Of course, if you just came off the treadmill and your heart rate is 180 beats per minute, obviously there's, you know, it's good to kind of like start walking after. And so your heart rate can gradually come down. That of course is important, but The idea of stretching comes from this idea of like needing to cool down. Well, if your heart rate's 130 beats a minute, 140, which it probably is from doing, you know, a hardcore workout, you don't need, you don't need that much of a cool down to get it back into, you know, a more normal functioning rate. So just between me walking from the weight room to my car is enough of a cool down um, in my gym, they have like these kind of wonderful spa beds and it kind of gives you a hydro massage. And so that's my favorite oh, that's way to lovely. cool down. Take 10 okay. minutes on the hydro massage bed.
0: <laughs> okay. I like that. So there's, there's another thing that this reminds me of is, uh, I'm not, I don't know if you're familiar with the TB12 method, right? Tom Brady, where he talks about, uh, where he doesn't really lift weights. He's mm-hmm. doing more plyometrics and, you know different kinds of exercises with rubber bands versus heavy weights. And he he credits that as part of his, you know, the reason he was able to play at a high level until his mid forties, which is almost unheard of in the NFL. So what is it about muscle activation, which it sounds like that's what he's doing as well. That does help you, you know, stay young and keep those muscles fresh and young.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, if we look at someone as they get older, um, someone who's more prone to injury, All of that is related to muscles not working properly. My teacher, Greg Roscoff, who created muscle activation technique, um, and he's located out of Denver, he will will emphatically say that age is a symptom of muscle tightness. And if we want to turn back the clock of age, keep your muscles working properly. The absolute wrong thing to do um, is for someone who's got tight muscles, to actually put more load on those muscles. That's thats the wrong thing to do. Those muscles aren't even working to begin with. And now you're giving them um, a load. You know, Tom Brady, uh, I, I actually hadn't heard that before, but somebody of his caliber is probably working. I'm, I'm assuming, I don't know this for a fact, but just it makes sense that that person that he's working with is connected to this idea of isometrics, isometrics is really important and, but doing them also correctly is also yeah, sure. important. Um, and then understanding that you want to build the, when you're doing isometrics properly, AKA muscle activation, what you're doing is you're increasing the stress tolerance of that muscle so that it doesn't shut down Tom Brady has probably got a well oiled machine where his stress tolerance, obviously, uh, level for being able to get hit, you know, somebody tackling him and throwing around, et cetera, et cetera. His stress tolerance level is really high. His muscles are working at an optimum uh, capacity because of that neuromuscular connection. So, for anybody listening, we can turn back the clock. You know, again, muscle tightness is a sign of the body protecting itself and so if you've got pain in your lower back if you've got pain in your knees if you've got tightness you know in your hamstrings or in your shoulders um that's the body protecting itself and so the important thing is for us to start addressing that imbalance addressing that wasn't the right word but addressing the instability that was the word i was looking for instability And getting those muscles to start working. So they're doing what? Stabilizing joints and moving bones without causing more
0: stress. (laughs) You know, I I have to say this this was fascinating. I think just at a the most basic level, it it makes sense to me just from my my own personal experiences and dealing with, you know, post workout pain from my, you know, thinking about my my days growing up as an athlete, things like that. very amateur high school level athlete, (laughs) but same idea, right? We're all athletes. Anyone that works out or exercises, I think is an athlete. And I think this is great advice for people who, you know, are not afraid to go against conventional wisdom. And instead of listening to, you know, what people have been saying is listening to their bodies. And I think thinking about the stuff that you've talked about and the advice that you give just again, from my own experience, I'm like, yeah, that, that, that did work for me when I tried that almost, you know, on accident kind of thing. So Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Where can people learn more about uh, your techniques, your yoga? Where can people find you on social media?
1: Well, I hope you share um, the links. People can find me on my website, Um, You can go find me on Instagram, yogi underscore um, Aaron. And just message me. Contact, find me on, on Instagram. Message me pain-free. And then that will start to get the conversation rolling. Um, If any of your listeners want to live a life free from pain, contact me because what I'm doing is working. I have thousands of testimonials coming in from people all the time, thanking me for giving them their life back. And um, you probably or some of your listeners probably have been using stretching. And, you know, while it feels good in the moment, it's, it's, it's actually making them weaker. And they can feel that because they still wake up every morning stiff. Uh, and in pain. So if you want to live pain-free, find me on Instagram, message me pain-free. Let's get the conversation started.
0: I love it. Thank you again for your time. Really appreciate you.
1: Thank you for having me on.